1: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, that's my bad we didn't have an episode last week. Listeners, that's my bad we didn't have an episode on Thursday last week because I was traveling for work there. And so with that busyness behind me now, we are right back in it. But man, oh man, have things gotten crazy in the NHL playoffs the Florida Panthers taken down the Boston Bruins in seven games, the most successful regular season team in NHL history, losing to the Florida Panthers. The Sabres, if you will remember, were just one point away, one win away from being in that spot and taking on the Bruins. And I'll be honest, I think the Sabres would have done it in five, but still congrats to Florida. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it has been an incredible First round so far, the Kraken taken down the Colorado Avalanche. You had, uh, what's this? Uh, Canadian team, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't really ring a bell. Uh, you had the Edmonton Oilers taken down the Kings. The Oilers were my pre playoff Stanley Cup predictions. So that is still alive for me now at this point. They took that series in six games. You had the Hurricanes being the Islanders in six games. The Stars took down the Wild in six. And, of course, the Jets lost to the Golden Knights in five games. With that said, we only have one series remaining at the time of us recording this, and that is the now seven-game series between the Devils and Rangers. So that's that's taking place on Monday night. Going to be a really, really exciting game as it has been a, a back-and-forth series. New Jersey making a goaltending change to Akira Schmidt has completely turned their postseason hopes around now and they are now playing in game seven in new jersey tonight so with that being said taylor i know you have of course as we both have been watching along with these series but you have some some thoughts on the rankings of these series as far as how interesting they were so do you want to get into that a little bit
0: yeah well i think it was pretty much an interesting first round with the exception of one series uh and you had pretty competitive ones too i believe there's a one five game and the rest of them were six and seven so no sweeps that's yeah. i think that's kind of rare for the first round if i had to guess at least you usually get more five game series but they're all pretty competitive and right. i believe both of the one seeds are gone or no was vegas a one seed and there's a one and a two gone oh yeah one and a two gone yeah, one of the two. Okay, yes, Vegas was the one seed. All right, so yeah, I'll just get into that, starting with the least interesting. The only one I don't think there's really much to say about is Carolina versus the Islanders. Maybe if this was a sweep, and maybe if Carolina looked really dominant, it would be like, okay, this there is something here. Maybe Carolina is a... Maybe they're now the clear favorite for the Cup, but not really. Like, they they just kind of had a dull, some not quite even series with the Islanders. It was enough that, like, Carolina was clearly better so that you never really got your, you know, any, any Islanders fan can really get their hopes up that the Islanders were going to win or even make it that interesting. And on the other hand, they weren't that dominant and they don't, either of these teams play interesting hockey. It's kind of a rough watch. Uh, The Islanders, like we've said before, like they rely a lot on their goaltending. They're not even a strong defensive team like they were under Trots. and Carolina is a strong defensive team and they have talented players, but they play a pretty boring style. And they don't, either of these teams have very interesting games. So I don't really have any thoughts on this series, basically at all. I, really.
1: I think Carolina was one of, I mean, they were a preseason favorite to make a run this year. They have had some very unpredictable goaltending. It's been all over the place uh, for them throughout the season because, of course, now they have Ranta and Anderson, but you also had Kochetkov, who was up for a while and looked pretty promising as a starter. And then going into this series, you would presume that it would be Freddie Anderson getting the start. At the beginning, but then it goes to anti-Ranta. And again, it's just been back and forth and a bit all over the place. So, but still, Carolina is a good team. I mean, if you had to ask me going into the playoffs, like the two teams that I was least excited about watching, I would say probably Carolina and the Islanders make up maybe like two of like the three or four least interesting teams. Maybe the Jets also being among them. But they're pretty much at the bottom for obvious reasons. So, yeah, no, not much to say there. I think it'll be interesting to see how Carolina is going to stack up against both the the Devils or the Rangers for two completely different reasons. But we can get to that once we figure out who the winner of Game 7 is tonight.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then next we have seventh. I put Vegas versus the Jets, the only five-game series. It actually was interesting to start. Vegas is a one-seed uh the west just kind of had a bunch of teams as we talked about near the end of the regular season a bunch of these teams were just kind of stacked up near each other like dallas minnesota colorado vegas edmonton almost la a little bit so being a one seed was just it's not they weren't a one seed the way boston was uh and they they played the jets who did not have a strong finish in the season at all and basically seemed like by the end of the season that they were a, uh, a one-man team with the one man being their goalie and just kind of a bunch of okay guys after that. Well, unfortunately for them, Hellebuck did not have a great playoffs. And Vegas kind of looked after, I would say some point in game three, a switch kind of flipped. Because at that point, it still seemed like an even series. Uh, and then when when Vegas won in overtime there in game three, that just became like their series. And they dominated game four and five and closed things out. So they look really good Uh and even looking at uh, the the Winnipeg fans chanting like you're a backup with Laurent Pissiswaw, he had a 9.15 save percentage in the playoffs. Hellebuck was an 8.86. Not a good series. If if the Jets were going to make the series interesting or or win or whatever, they needed to be on Hellebuck's back because he when he wants to be and and most of the time is the best goalie in hockey or second to Igor Shestirkin. He's but he's right there regardless, and the team is not all that high quality around him, so. Yeah, the series got really not that interesting once he started playing poorly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting with Vegas. Well, I'm going to get to Winnipeg after because I think Winnipeg has so many questions coming out of this series now in terms of the path forward for them. But when it comes to Vegas, you got to give them credit to the fact that Brosois is, in the grand scheme of things, their fifth goalie. You had Robin Lanner, who was out for the season this year. Logan Thompson, who was going to take over after after having a really impressive run to end last year, even though they fell short in the playoffs. He ends up taking over the job. He struggles with injury issues all year. Then you have Aiden Hill carrying the load for them for a little bit and looking competent in that, but clearly they didn't have the trust there. So what do they do? They go out and get Jonathan Quick. And then Jonathan Quick comes into the mix. He looks good a little bit. Then he kind of looks bad, uh, you know, back to his old King's self. And Laurent Brossois gets healthy, and they pretty much just handed the keys over to him down the stretch over the last few weeks of the season and turned to him instead of a veteran and Quick. And I think that speaks to probably where Quick is at in his career and how they feel about him. But it's, I mean, you got to give credit where it's due. He was able to keep them afloat. Vegas is obviously a very talented team, and they're in a position where, unlike Winnipeg, they don't have to rely on their goalie having to steal games for them, for them to be in contention in a series. Winnipeg, on the other hand, man, I think that they are probably one of the most interesting interesting cases coming up in this upcoming offseason because it kind of feels like they should just rebuild you have one year left of heli buck before he becomes a ufa you seemingly have over the past couple of years just developed a mess in the dressing room i think they have a leadership crisis where you had of course obviously we all know and we've talked about you know the issues with blake wheeler not necessarily like that he is like a cause of the issues but that I mean, with him getting the captaincy taken away and just that you've been hearing that there's just issues within the locker room there, the team dynamic, what that core of the leadership group is. You know, you have Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be an upcoming RFA, and we have been getting chatter pretty much since he was, he was traded to Winnipeg that he didn't want to resign there and that he wanted to look elsewhere for where he wanted to go, namely Montreal, obviously – You know, you have an aging Mark Shifley there in terms of some of your younger guys. You have, you know, some pieces that maybe could make it through a rebuild in Ehlers and Connor. But. I mean, where does this team go from here? You know, like Neil Pionk really struggled in the postseason their 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 blue line just they haven't been able to figure it out they've been trying to i think put band-aids on a much larger issue and just really even though they have quote-unquote invested in the position it clearly isn't enough to get them over the hump and again even though you do have this talent up front with all of these guys you know your shifley's dubois connor ellers all of these guys and, and even some younger guys too and cole perfetti um, and, and I, there's a couple of names I'm missing here. Like you still were relying night in and night out on Connor Hallibuck having to steal you games. And obviously that comes with the territory of being one of the best goalies in the league. You know, it's not too far off, I think, from Sorokin and the Islanders. But, I mean, where does Winnipeg go from here? Like you have these upcoming contracts. You have not been able to figure it out. This iteration of the team is definitely, I would say – uh, of this core like probably the least enticing so does that front office you know look at the situation right now and say well we've had a first round exit we have not been able to get over the hump we haven't been able to win i mean what they've the farthest they've gone i think is winning a round maybe throughout this course tenure i think they've maybe done that what once or twice if i'm they not... went to the
0: conference finals in 2018
1: they... okay in 18 it was that okay yeah so but still you haven't been able to get over the hump and again you know the the iteration of this team that we saw five six years ago even you know a few years ago as compared to where it is now it's it's ebbed and flowed but it's now this version of it is older and there's a lot of questions here and so i think winnipeg is in an interesting position in that is it going to be painful for a fan base that has been making the playoffs pretty regularly we'll say that you know to then have to like kind of turn things around and just commit to a rebuild the the, like the offseason right after making the playoffs yeah that's gonna suck but I think with the assets that you have there not that it would be necessarily like quick that you have a, a year of pain and then you're back in it or anything like that but I think that they can position themselves to have a really bright future if they know how to correctly handle and move the assets that they have like I do not think Connor Hellybuck is going to sign there for the rest of his career with how things have gone. And if you listen to his end of year press conference or after uh, game five, if you listen to that press conference, it did not inspire a lot of confidence in terms of how he is looking at this team moving forward. And then also on top of that, you have your head coach throwing guys under the bus in his end of year press conference as well, or the, again, like the same thing, you know, the post, Games, the elimination game press conference, you haven't thrown throwing those throwing guys under the bus. Like it just feels like something bad is brewing there, but Winnipeg can actually get out ahead of it. And if they do commit to rebuilding, they I think could be in a very good position two, three years from now.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh I it does seem like Hellbuck's a logical uh trade target then. Uh but yeah, moving on to number six, I have the Oilers and Kings. Which I think going in was really interesting because I'm—I mean, the Kings uh, from like I don't know—I want to say like January to March were super hot, and the Oilers started the end of the season super hot. This was a good series, and I think it's an interesting one. Uh, me having it six is also a reflection of the playoffs are pretty interesting all around. But they—the Kings were up in the series two-one, and they were up three-nothing in Game Four. So the Oilers comeback there was huge. Like that was. I mean that like that turned everything around. They would have been on three one. They would have been in a real hole, and them coming back led to you know they even the series, and then they were able to close it out in six. Uh, statistically, they are they're still scoring a lot. Last year, I I think McDavid led the playoffs in scoring despite getting swept in the conference finals. Could be mistaken about that, but I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, and then looking at at goaltending in this series. Corpus Aldo was really good. That was another, another thing. Corpus Aldo was really good for the first few games and that really kept him in it. And then all of a sudden he wasn't. And then, you know, not as impressive. Uh, and then you have, I mean, you have Stuart Skinner who did not have actually a very good series for Edmonton. So their power play, their, their top two guys, that was all very important scoring wise for them. So yeah, the, the Oilers moving on. That's exciting. We, if this is like, I don't, I don't want to say it's the first time because last year they played the Kings in the first round and they won in seven games, but just seeing the Oilers for the, I wouldn't say the first time in the McDavid era come and do a first round and just like, all right, we're taking care of business. I, I think every previous time they've won the first round, they've had to go to seven games. So that's, that's pretty cool. And then, the, you know, the Kings are a really good team. This was, a, this is a good first round matchup. The Kings played really well down the stretch and they're another team that yeah, goaltending is a huge question mark. Absolutely, like they, they had to send Cal Peterson to the AHL in the first year of his extension. Jonathan Quick, they traded. Phoenix Copley played a bunch of games, and then they had to trade for Jonas Corpusalo, Who? I don't know how much you trust a guy like that. So, and on the other side, how much does Edmonton trust Stuart Skinner? I don't That's know. That's fair. That's fair. I think yeah, they're going to be an interesting playoff team all throughout, though. So, it was a good series. I agree. I think the thing with that series,
1: too, I mean, it was really exciting last year, and I do think you can make the argument that the highs of this series were as good as just about any other series. I mean, it was really entertaining hockey, and you really got to give the Kings credit. I think that, you know, it's it's tough when you're having to make a goaltending upgrade mid-season as we know as Sabres fans it's not the easiest thing at the deadline to be able to go out and find a a capable starter like that so they make the move for Korpisalo obviously that also involves getting Gavrikov which I know I mean he's he's you know established a good reputation and is is very solid in his own right but I mean Corpusalo wasn't good with Columbus. And sure, you could say, Oh, well, how much of that is a product of the team in front of him? And that's absolutely fair. I can totally get behind that, but you also know what you're getting with a guy like Corpi I mean, even prior to Columbus being this bad, he was in the mix for them in net when they were good and they were competing and they were a, a playoff team, albeit, you know, not like a Stanley cup contender, but even then he wasn't able to steal the job away, you know, fully from Mer- Merz Linkins. Lincoln's, Blah, sorry about that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, what do you, you know, it's, it's kind of like, what do you expect? Like, yes, he did have a good start to the series, but at the same time, y- you had to think that Corpo just, that the wheels were going to come off because he's just not that guy. What I will say, though, about LA, like you said, they put up a good fight. And I think that you have a really good core there. I know that you have some older guys in the mix there, but you also have a a ton of young talent in the ranks. And especially, too, as we see what another offseason for Quentin Byfield looks like. I mean, I think he started to kind of put some things together after having a pretty slow start here. But I think that if he's able to even get close to what we thought that his ceiling was, with him coming out of the draft, I think that you could be in a really good position in your top six because you also have Kevin Fiala. You also have Adrian Kempe. Like, you have some really solid pieces. You have some, some R.I. pieces on the blue line, too, with Brand Clark. You have Sean Dursey, who's a nice depth defenseman for them. Um, but here's what I want to throw out to you, Taylor. L.A. makes a ton of sense for Connor I, I I think oh, yeah. that, that is maybe the best destination for him LA may be the best suitor there. I, I just think that it makes too much sense for LA to make it their top priority this off season to go out and get a guy like Kelly Buck. And if they do that, Oh boy, they are going to be a fun team to watch next year. That is for damn sure. So something to keep in mind there. We'll see what happens, but Edmonton moves on. And yeah, I, I just think again, you know we saw the reasons why myself and so many other people picked edmonton to really make a run because mcdavid and Dryzuttle are just on, a, on another level right now and they seemingly just know how to really ramp up their already dominant play in the playoffs and it's like whenever they are out on the ice if if one of them or both of them are out on the ice it's like the other team doesn't even have a chance to just take the puck off of their stick because they are just so unbelievably dominant out there so really great series i think that edmonton should be feeling really good right now and i think also for what it's worth like obviously it sucks with back-to-back first round exits but la man they figure out goaltending if they go out and get heli and 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 take a big swing there i do not think we'll be talking about la getting kicked out of the first round next year to say the least
0: yeah i absolutely agree uh, la's got a weird thing going on like long term where They've basically either made a run or lost in the first round, like an insane amount of times now. I yep. think, if I'm not mistaken, this is the fourth straight playoff appearance where they've lost in the first round.
1: Is it four in a row? Oh my god! I didn't even. I thought they had missed and then were not in a, not
0: in a row four straight. Oh playoff okay, they lost in the first round. Got so you. Like 2016, 2018, and then the last two years. Whereas before that, uh, they, they you know they won two cups in three years and also went to a conference final. So yeah, that's interesting. I guess they're just only losing in the second round is what I'm getting at here. Uh, but anyway, moving on, Dallas, Minnesota, number five. So my Stanley, preseason Stanley Cup prediction officially dead because Minnesota lost to Dallas in six, and I think that was an interesting series for multiple reasons. Because for starters, it, Dallas is kind of a kind of a sneaky Cup contender in my opinion. They have not gotten talked about as much, but really now that Colorado's gone, especially. I don't think anyone thinks Kraken are going to the cup. So you're down to three realistic options here. Mm. And it's, you know, two of those options don't really have good goaltending. You know who does have good goaltending? The Dallas Stars. They sure do. But you know who else had good goaltending and didn't use it all the time? The Minnesota Wild. So mm. uh, for people that, you know, maybe didn't pay as much attention to Minnesota in the regular season, by the end of it, they had been swapping uh Philip Gustafson in with Marc-Andre Fleury to close out the regular season. Gustafson was playing a lot better, but I think the logic seemed to be at the time, you want you don't want Gustafson worn out for the playoffs because they were pretty much a shoe-in for the playoffs. So why, you know, kind of run him ragged in the end of the regular season? Uh, there's, you know, a lot of uh, data out there that says, you know, you shouldn't play your goalies too much or whatever. So, yeah, and he's not a guy that's taken on a big workload before. Uh, So I think most people logically assumed that's going to be it. And then once the playoffs start, it's going to be just Gustafson because Fleury probably due to his age more than anything had not been playing as well by the end of the regular season. So game one, you get a Minnesota gets a win. Gustafson plays well. Game two, they play Fleury and Fleury only he started game two. That was it. He played in another game. I don't remember which one Fleury ended the playoffs uh, giving up seven goals on 37 shots so there's an 8-11 save percentage meanwhile Gustafson was at 9.21 got to think that throwing away game Oof. 2 playing a clearly not ready to play Mark Andre Flurry was huge for that series i mean you win that game who knows and and granted they didn't actually really play all that well in that game either so they didn't do flurry any favors but jesus still uh and yeah so it was it was a good series though overall i thought i thought it was very competitive aside from game 2 uh Gustafson, like I said, played really well, but Dallas' side, and part of the reason I think you can look at them as a real cup contender, few reasons. One, Ottinger. Playing extremely well, just like he did last playoffs. Just like he's really done since he stepped into the NHL. It's a goal you can really trust. Two, Jason Robertson. I don't know if you take, but you know he's good. Three, <laughs> you know who's currently leading the playoffs in points? Tell the people. It's your good friend, Rupe Pence. You're damn right it is. That's future With... Hall of Famer Rupe Pence to you. That's right. He has twelve points in six games. Literally two points per game. He's leading the playoffs. Also, Tyler Sagan not playing bad. The old uh-huh. guys, Sagan and Ben, they've been kind of a albatross contract wise recently. Not bad. It just Dallas looks really good, all all the way around. So, I think that I'm not going to say they're going to win the cup, but you know they're they're a real contender to make it out of the West. Yeah. Uh, they- that, besides that, that's pretty much all I have for that series. It's a really competitive two-three in the Central. And Minnesota could have won, so that's kind of what makes it interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I think Dallas is a very dangerous team because, as we've said, if you they they are maybe the only team left in the West that not even maybe they definitively are the only team left in the West that has the high end elite goal scores, but also has elite goaltending. Like Jake Ottinger is one of the best goalies in the league. In terms of future outlook, I mean, if you want to look at the next, let's call it like five to seven years in the NHL, how many goalies are you taking ahead of Jake Ottinger?
0: Like maybe, maybe a handful. Like maybe Shesterkin, Saros. Maybe. broken, And even maybe with those guys too. Gottinger
1: is younger than all of them and has been putting That's up true. unbelievable. Numbers. Oh, Devin Levi also. What am I saying? I would rather have Jake Ottinger than Devin Levi. Wow. That's, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Well, if, I mean, you have to say it. No, I was going to say if anybody, if there is a single Sabres fan listening that has an issue with that, please like take the Homer hat off for a minute. It, it is a preposterous thing.
0: to uh, I'm going to keep the Homer hat on. I'd rather have Devin Levi. Are you serious? Yeah.
1: I, I think that is legitimately insane.
0: I want people to like me that listen to the show. Oh
1: my God. (laughs) Well,
0: Yeah, no, Dallas, I think. You you can't do video of this because they see what actual Homer hat I'm wearing. They would not be happy.
1: Of course, of course. But you know,
0: if it makes you guys feel better, the Yankees are going 82 and 80 this year. So
1: 82 and 80. Wow. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, I I agree, though. I think this was a, a really solid series. I think that the two teams were, generally speaking, pretty evenly matched. Goaltending, of course, as we said, it did make a difference in this series, but yeah, I think Dallas has to be feeling pretty good right now, at least with Colorado being knocked out of the mix. I mean, obviously, again, like you have the other two teams still very solid in their own right and a lot of offensive firepower there. So it should be very interesting. I'm I'm curious to see how the West is going to continue to shake out here, but I'm liking what I'm seeing from Dallas so far, and I think, again, Jake Ottinger has just proven that he's the kind of guy that can steal a series for you, in addition to Dallas already having some solid firepower with future Hall of Famer Rupe Hintz leading the way.
0: Yeah, for sure. All (laughs) right, so the fourth one I have is uh, the New York, or Tri-State Area Series, I should say, Devils-Rangers. So that, I mean, I think that was going to be interesting regardless, because it has two Rivals playing in the first round, which they haven't played in the playoffs in like a decade or more. Yeah, uh, so it's been a minute. I think it hasn't it been twenty years. No, they played each other in the conference final in twenty twelve. Oh wow! Oh my god! I don't yeah. know why I was thinking back because didn't they what they do? Oh one, were they did
1: they play against each other?
0: Maybe, but I was also thinking the Sean Avery series as well was like oh mm. nine. Okay, I must
1: have been. Uh, way off with like thinking that you're right I am forgetting about those early
0: 2010s anyways though carry on so both good teams for very different reasons honestly but the this series started off with the rangers kind of destroying them for two games really dominated and it kind of laid bare how much more playoff experience the rangers had than this devils team uh but then that didn't seem to matter because the devils played significantly better for three straight games 1 up 3 2 in the series despite the fact that Shesterkin was playing really well. Uh, and then Rangers obviously win game six. So we're going to game seven tonight. So we don't know how that turns out yet. I think regardless of how it turns out, this has been a, a really good and interesting series. Uh, always good for rivals to play in the first round. And yeah. always nice to have a seven game series. But what's kind of a couple of things here that are really interesting to me. Like I mentioned, Shesterkin there. If I would have told you before the series, there's going to be six games, that just going to have a nine-three-nine 3 save nine, percentage. You do think like, oh, yeah, the Rangers must have closed the Devils out for sure. But that kind of speaks to how dominant the Devils have been the last three games. Like these games have been close. But a, a big reason why uh, they've been close is because Shosturkin, not because the Rangers are playing super well. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Devils' goaltending is going to be kind of interesting. So they're playing. So Vitek Vanacek, uh, I mentioned how bad uh, Flurry was. Vanacek, pretty close. He's an 827 when he played. Oof. He was awful. So they replaced him with Akira Schmid. Is that yep. how you say that? He's he's playing awesome too. So now the series is two incredible goaltenders in the more recent games. And the devils of I well, game six I didn't actually watch, but it seemed like the Rangers kind of had their way there. But games three, four, and five, those were really the devil series. So I guess we'll see going into the night. I'm interested to see how this goes. Like this has been you don't really see a lot of goaltending battles like this. Schmidt in his his games is a nine thirty seven, Shesterkin a nine thirty-nine. No playoff goalie is higher than either of them. They're one and two in save percentage. So very interesting. And I very think that's sort of like the really good slash fascinating series. Yeah, I am
1: well, I'm very much so pulling for the Devils in this one. They were my actually I had them coming out of the East. If I'm I, I think I had shared this before, but uh yeah, I don't know. I just feel like they're one of those teams that I mean, they're young and it just, I don't know. I feel like there's one that just those teams that make those improbable runs. I'm, I'm hoping that Seattle is not the one that's taken over now, that they've knocked out Colorado. But I do think that when you look at with New Jersey, I mean, goaltending has been, I don't want to say a question mark for them because Vanacek has been solid for them throughout the year, but they had their injury issues that they were dealing with. Schmidt had some stretches throughout the season as a starter and got a good amount of games. Mackenzie Blackwood was hurt for... A, a good portion of the season, and when he did play, he wasn't particularly inspiring a whole lot of confidence there. But when you look at the roster itself, you know, obviously you look at the Rangers and their additions that they've made. You know, with adding Tarasenko and Kane, and then just you have a, a good amount of depth there as well. And of course, with Strushterkin, you know, leading the way for them in net. But New Jersey's really no slouch when it comes to to their depth as well. And I think one of the things that is really working in their favor in addition to their goaltending. And obviously, you know, we know about the uh, firepower up front. You have Jack Hughes, you have Timo Meyer, you have one of the best two-way centers in the league this year, and Nico Heischer, you have Jesper Bratt, you have uh, a seasoned veteran with playoff experience, and Andres Palat. Like, you have a lot of guys there. But, man, the Devil's Blue Line is really interesting really solid like you have a a really good makeup there with some of the names on the back end and thinking about that team moving forward and just having you know in the long-term sense luke hughes thrown into the mix there as well um new jersey is a team that i mean we'll see if you know like do you how confident do you feel that vanacek is actually like a, a a number one goalie in the league consistent number one goalie fair confidence no not at all
0: No confidence. Yeah. Okay.
1: So that's the thing for me. It's like, if they can at least answer that question definitively in net, you could be looking at a team that's set up to be a contender for five plus years now. I mean, the Rangers are kind of on their way out. It seems like obviously, you know, they probably have, they have some juice in them still the Rangers. They still have a a couple years I would say of, of still being a contender here, but the clock is ticking. Whereas that door is just opening up for the devils. And I think that Jack Hughes is just going to continue to get better. I think that as they will, after the, I mean, we'll see how the series goes. Like, who knows? They could go on a run here too, but even in the long-term sense, like figuring out more about, you know, what the the makeup of this team is going to look like. I mean, you still have Alexander Holtz, you have other good young guys like Dawson Mercer there too. Like they have the potential to be, you know, in a similar spot to where we feel like the Sabres are headed, where it's like perennial cup contender. It's just they have to figure out what's going on in goal for them. But really good series so far. I'm really excited to see what happens here. I'm pulling for the Devils. I would like to see, again, it's always fun seeing the the young up-and-coming teams take down the the savvy vets. So we'll see what happens in Game 7, and I'm really looking forward to talking about that on Thursday.
0: Yeah, before we get to the top three here, uh, would you like to hear a word from our sponsors? I I would simply love to. All right. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Tonight, as we mentioned, the Rangers and Devils are facing off in Game 7 of their pivotal first-round series. On DraftKings right now, a couple interesting uh, bets available. There's a plus 200 surge uh, in first goal score, if you have any confidence in that, uh, and multiple parlays available. Goal scores, player shots on goals, points, assists, first period, uh, race to X number of goals, team goal totals, plus the puck line. Uh very interesting. The over-under is five and a half. Devils appear to be heavily favored in the in the puck line. In the money line, they are also favored. So if you're interested, that's what's available for tonight's action, DraftKings Sportsbook. So, if you're interested, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Massachusetts, call 800 327 5050 or visit Gambling Helpline ma.org in new york call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny at 467-369 in kansas call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of boot hill casino and resort 21 and over in most eligible states but the age will vary by jurisdiction eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for offer details see draftkings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources you a uh, long-time listener you know we've had uh multiple ads over the years DraftKings, who's obviously been up with us for a while. Our good pals at Thin Man. And even occasionally, our good friends at Raycon. So, friends, let's face it. With coffee starting at $5, even without customizations, and our bank account somehow always depleting, we're officially entering a dupe session. Most products do the same thing, but are priced differently solely based on the brand name. So a good duplicate or dupe is crucial for getting the highest quality at the best price one dupe you definitely shouldn't sleep on is raycon wireless earbuds raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point so you can listen to what you want when you want without breaking the bank so you know everyone is uh looking to save money these days in different ways we all every once in a while spend a little too much and go, Can't believe I spent that much money. Sometimes I think some uh, doppelganger of mine goes to like three bars in a weekend and spends like 150 bucks. And it's like, who is this guy? Why do I have to pay for him? That's (laughs) ridiculous. Who's spending all this money at more Room and Checkers? So we all want to save money. You understand. So don't spend more money on headphones that do the same thing as cheaper ones. Raycon's mission is to provide is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of the other more big name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay later options. Right now, you can pay as low as eighteen dollars at checkout. They have an easy and free return guarantee, and they offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks. They offer free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. And they have over 50,000 five-star reviews. They come with such tremendous features as customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in your fit, crystal clear quality, water and sweat resistant. And they come with eight hours of playtime. So go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN.
1: Yeah, got to extend a, a big welcome back to our, our dear friend, Ray J. He missed us, you know. He saw Devin Levi showing out, and he was like, I got to get back in on that action.
0: He's smart. He knows when to get back in. Damn right. <laughs> well, we have one more sponsor. That's Thin Man Brewery. Folks, they got some interesting stuff going on. Uh, We obviously didn't record last week. I would mention they did. They have uh, Polish champagne available. It's a new lager. Not quite champagne, actually. It's a three point five percent, so you can drink a lot of it. uh They're taking a, a Polish classic, and it's supposed to smell like a campfire while you're sipping on it. Good summer beer, crisp and refreshing. You know, it's a, well. I I say summer. We're not quite to the summer yet. It is going to rain and be fifty one degrees for the foreseeable future. But eventually, it will be summer here. I'm so on.
1: we're supposed to be sixties and sunny this weekend, and then I think early, uh, it's like high seventies. Saturday next week, so we're we're getting closer.
0: Something to look forward to. Yeah, and then, obviously, uh, upcoming this weekend is the Lager Jam Thin Man Brewery. It's from 12 to 7pm. It's at the Elmwood location. Uh, there'll be 9 breweries there total, 14 total loggers. merch drop, sets by DJ Lil Gabby. And $20 gets you in. It'll get you a Thin Man Stein uh, with your first pour, and then from there you'll get $5 loggers, $2 thin tubes, Discounted merchandise, so you can get tickets at Thin Man Brewery. Uh, sorry, ThinManBrewery.com. That's where you get your tickets. And then we mentioned, you know, coming up this summer, July twenty second is the Weirdly Wonderful Beer Fest. So tickets are available now at WeirdlyWonderful.com. Uh, that is going to be. This is a new thing. It's orchestrated in collaboration with. This I believe this is pronounced Rhizome Productions, but sixty or more breweries from all over the world. to be live music. And some other stuff. So hey, if you want some early bird of VIP VIP tickets on sale, weirdlywonderful.com.
1: And uh, anything
0: else you have on Thin Man Brewery? I mean you could still get American Lemieux if you're if yeah, you're, I was gonna,
1: gonna say we didn't even have a chance to have our uh our post trivia three little thank you to everybody who came out. It was unbelievable. It was our biggest trivia yet. It was amazing folks who just came out to hang out and try out American Lemieux. And I know it's, it's, you know, still, of course, being sold. We're just kind of getting underway with that. So we've had a really great response to it so far. So whether you are in Buffalo or Rochester and are a listener, make sure you are going and picking up an American Lemieux, or you can just go stop by Thin Man, get it out of the cooler there yourself, and uh, maybe grab a bite to eat while you're there or go hang out, get it on tap. It's going to be just, it's going to be there for a bit. So it's been really great. But again, thank you so much to everybody who joined us for trivia. It was such a great time. And again, I, we set it at the event, but I also got to give our shout out to our man, Mike, who just has been very generous in bringing along some really, really unique and cool prizes for uh, our perfect rounds. He every time has brought something that's been really cool this time around. It was a signed Fred Jackson poster before it was a framed RJ, uh, cut out of the uh, of the paper from after his last game. I mean, it, he's just been amazing with that. So, Mike, if you are listening, man, thank you so much. We very, very much appreciate it. And again, we appreciate everybody who's come out and and spent their uh, their Monday nights with us. And with that being said, Monday, May twenty second is going to be the next iteration of Buffalo Sports Trivia Night between Straight Up Sabers. And Thin Man Brewery and, and very exciting news too, as we talked about, we're going to be doing this once a month moving forward as we get into these summer months and the weather gets a little bit nicer. It is going to be extended out onto the patio, folks. So a lot of really cool stuff coming up. Make sure you are stopping by Thin Man to hang out anytime, but make sure especially you're there on Monday, May 22nd for our next Buffalo Sports Trivia Night.
0: Yep, and yeah. Also, congrats to Mike Mahan. Uh Not only did he bring those and get a perfect round, uh, his team uh, finished uh, first for the second in uh, second of our three events, and also finished second that other time. So Ben top two every time. So uh, their names Ben, I believe, Eichel sucks. Eichel still sucks, and Eichel will always suck. So I'm interested to see where they go for the fourth time uh, with the name. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. You know, see Thin Man Brewery if you're uh, interested in. Uh, anything we mentioned today all right uh so moving on number three i have toronto and tampa it's an interesting series because i think despite all the you know whining that goes on north of the border i don't think toronto has ever really truly been super unlucky i think i guess you can argue they got goalied pretty bad in 2020 in the bubble when you know you're the corpus, corpus allo, like, I mean, how? Yeah, you can be mad about that, I guess. Uh, twenty twenty one, I don't know. Carry price is good. Other than that, though, I think they've mostly gotten outplayed in very close series, and that's they've never had the look of a team that was going to win the cup or whatever. I'm gonna say they actually got luckier. They have been more lucky in this round than they ever had been. Ever that ever been unlucky. Because, well, let's start with this, they get spanked in game one, but then they turn around and have a good game too. That's kind of par for the course of the Leafs, that's kind of what they do. Um, but then, game three, they are thoroughly outplayed, and they win. Because they got a late goal, they get a goal in overtime. Game four, the, the Lightning blow a three-goal lead. And then obviously they win it overtime again in Game Six, so three overtime wins. Overtime can kind of be a coin flip in the playoffs. So I don't know how much credit you want to give them for going three and zero in overtime. But here's here's where they've gotten lucky, in my in my opinion. Besides the fact that they finally played um, a Tampa team that was it's kind of falling off a little bit. Like they they only finished five points ahead of the Sabres this year. They did not finish the season strong. They don't they don't look like the same dominant Tampa team uh, as before. But here's a big reason. Vasilevsky had an 8.75 save percentage in that series. I don't know if he's hurt, he's in a funk or whatever, but you're not going to get a lot of playoff series where Vasilevsky is an 8.75. He was terrible. And Tampa, I thought, thoroughly outplayed Toronto throughout the series and basically lost because of how bad Vasilevsky was, particularly last Monday in game four. Shockingly bad. Yeah, for sure. And Toronto didn't even need their goaltending to be that good. Uh, Samsonov ended up as a 900 goalie. Exactly. So that's. Even below average, but it didn't even matter. So, I mean, that's that's basically the long and short of it. Vasilevsky was terrible. Toronto got their overtime goals, and now they they kind of get a, a big break because as we'll talk about soon, they're gonna be playing the Florida Panthers, who you know they've been playing well lately, are are not quite uh, the kind of team you usually see in the second round. So I guess we'll see what Toronto does with that. Things are lining up pretty well for them. What I a goddamn we'll disaster that Tanner Janot trade
1: was. Oh, my God. Everybody knew in the first place for Tampa that that was going to be bad, but guy was getting scratched in the playoffs, and you gave up, like, five picks for
0: him and a prospect. Uh, well, let me tell you something here with Julian Why He has a uh, – I think he ran into an issue where he looked at them winning in 2020 and 2021 and getting there last year and was like, oh, yeah, that's all Blake Coleman, Barclay Goudreau, and Pat Maroon. Like, instead of thinking of them as, like – nice pieces to have that maybe you overpay a little bit for at the deadline. God, he thought about them as, like, what made it happen versus 2019 so when they didn't have those guys. Right. Yeah, that's, and that's what happens. You you overpay for a guy like that. Now they have, like, no picks going forward. So I have, it, I, I a really, risk.
1: I would really like to wonder, again, like, what that trade call must have been like, because did David Poley just, like, have his phone on mute and after <laughs> Brisebois was, like, all right, we'll give you a first for Jano, And then he finally figured, like, there's got to be, like, how did that deal come to be? I just, I need to That's know. That's fascinating, I don't know. What David Poley put in Brisebois coffee that morning that just made him <laughs> just give up a ridiculous amount of assets. I mean, was was Janot, like, maybe like, the trade that got the best return at the deadline?
0: Ryan O'Reilly's up there, too.
1: ROR. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Either way. I mean, I, for the life of me to just still, I don't think anybody understands what the psyche was behind that move. I uh, yeah. clearly, it came back to bite Tampa in the ass. I also think though, for what it's worth, I mean, the NHL regular season is really long. The postseason is a grind And Tampa made it until the very end, three years in a row. Like that absolutely they have to be exhausted right now and so obviously you know this sucks for them i guess i mean i would if i was there like any of their fans be like oh oh well like we just got a couple of cups out of it like big deal like we'll be okay they'll get some extra rest right now it'll be fine they get a little bit of a longer off season try and and just recoup here figure their shit out and again man i mean vesilevsky was just it was the only way to put it is shockingly bad Like for a guy that has rightfully earned the reputation of being one of the best goaltenders in the league, one of the three to five best goalies in the NHL. It was stunning to see how just his positioning looked off, just the shots that he was letting in were just very weak. It it was so uncharacteristic of him. And you got to just wonder if it just gets chalked up to the fatigue is just like caught up with them.
0: Yeah, that's a definite possibility. It's and frankly, age. Like, yeah. you're looking at a lot of their best players. Like, none of them are that young. Like, Hedman, Kucherov, Stamkos. I mean, Point's pretty young. Yeah. But a lot of these guys are, like, they're on the wrong side of 30, or at least close to it. Yep. And sometimes it happens faster than you think in hockey. I mean, you look at the Blackhawks. Obviously, Kane is still productive to this day. But you look at, like, how fast they fell off after their third cup. Like, they didn't win a playoff series again. <laughs> they still haven't. If you don't count the the weird bubble play-in round, that's that, – that happened quick. Like, Duncan yeah, Keith, all of a sudden he looked old. Marion Hosa couldn't play anymore. Patrick Sharp, gone. Brent Seabrook, especially. Like, sometimes this just happens. Yeah. You know, I, maybe it happened midseason for them because that that's not a good finish for them. 96 points, I believe it was, that they had. Yep. That's not great. And the way they, they played down the stretch was also not great. They theoretically should have been playing for uh, – Home ice advantage down the stretch with Toronto, and they didn't even come close. But yeah, it's it's just a and I it, I say all this. They still probably should have won with if goaltending being even. Yeah. They would have won. but the big 100%. thing is Vasilevsky.
1: Hundred percent, and it's funny too. If you would have told me that going into this series that Vasilevsky would have been the difference with Tampa losing, I, I I would not have believed you, but also just to backtrack quickly, because we talked about it before the devil's Rangers matchup. So it was in 2012 there in the conference quarter fi- or the conference finals, 2008 was the conference quarterfinals, 2006, another one for the conference quarterfinals. I was thinking of the 97 series where the Rangers beat them four to one. So that was what I was getting confused with like the late nineties, early 2001. So that's my bad, oh. but yeah, they've had three in the meantime. Oh six. Devils sweep 4-0 in the conference quarters, 0-8 conference quarters, Rangers 4-1, conference finals in 2012. Devils, of course, win that one 4-2, to and we will see what ends up happening tonight.
0: Mm, interesting. All right. Uh, I also would say that this series of Toronto-Tampa was big because we just mentioned the Tarantino thing. If If Tampa had won... I mean, it wouldn't be over yet. We would by today. I don't believe. I believe Game Seven would also be tonight. But theoretically, if Tampa had won their series at some point, we would be talking about the Ryan O'Reilly trade or all the trades Toronto made. Toronto has very few picks going forward. They really are all in on this year. So, mm-hmm. still could lose to Florida. Could lose to Carolina, New Jersey, or New York eventually. But this is going to be the first round. It's something Listen, to
1: this is our this is Sam Reinhart's moment to do a Sabres fans proud and knock these sorry-ass losers out of the playoffs in the second round. I also will say, though, on like a real note when it comes to that, I cannot wait to see Matthew Kachuk go up against this Toronto team. He is going to be – I mean, he already has been a, just a monster. He's had an unbelievable season. I think he's firmly established himself. I would say like, you can re- very much make the argument that Matthew Kachuk is maybe the fifth-best player in the NHL and in the top five we can say um but man he i cannot wait to see how he's gonna be just under their skin in this series it's gonna be very interesting i think it's gonna be very very chippy and uh it should be a very interesting one to watch and again i it seems like it's the theme of a lot of the the series that we've been talking about but goaltending for the panthers man (laughs) i do not trust sergey Bobrovsky at all
0: nope nope
1: it's a problem all
0: right keep it moving here what else we all got right. colorado seattle at number two So people wouldn't be surprised about this but you know it's a west coast series so maybe some people on the East coast couldn't watch it as much it is the defending champion um two seed getting knocked out by a second year franchise winning their first ever playoff series that's that registers as a kind of a big shock for me at the very least. Absolutely. Congrats Seattle. They've now won as many playoff series as the Columbus blue jackets. That's huge. Uh, again, not counting the bubble year. What a weird series. I got to say like Seattle. Got to the playoffs basically on the strength of unsustainable shooting percentage, not to be too dismissive of them, but they had the fourth highest shooting team shooting percentage uh, of the quote-unquote analytics era and this is your 16 so in the last 16 years only three teams have had a higher team shooting percentage i think there were more than three teams that had more shooting talent than seattle i don't know if you agree um, yeah. but yeah it's it's it, there's a lot of luck there now on the other hand they got they have another thing working against them which is despite the fact that they play good team defense they haven't had consistent goaltending these last couple of years so, so they are a solid team they play solid team defense they got lucky one way they got unlucky that Philip Grubauer is terrible, but folks, not in the playoffs. The, the, the reason I, I was so confident, I probably would have been more confident in Colorado than anyone except Boston and they both lost. Um, part of the reason I was so confident though, is because I don't, I didn't see a path to uh, Colorado having a, a bad scoring series. Really. I know you shouldn't ever think that in hockey, but I just, I just thought like, Oh, Colorado score and we'll see if Seattle can stay hot. Cause Folks, Seattle was not good in the second half of the year. They were very average. From the time that they shut out Boston, and Boston, the rest of the year, super average. And they made the playoffs on the strength of how hot their start was. So I was thinking, like, this, this isn't a real contender. Here's the weird thing about the series, though. Grubauer was a 9.26. Grubauer was awesome. Yeah. And he hasn't been awesome all year. He's been bad. That was so. that's just that's legitimately stunning to me. Like, oh, okay, he did play super well. Uh, and meanwhile, though, like. You would also expect, oh, you get upset. Your goalie, your unreliable young goalie that you traded for Colorado, they probably weren't as good as you thought they were going to be. No, Georgiev was fine. Georgiev was a 9-14. He didn't have a bad series. Like, it just came down to all these close games. And you would think this team, Seattle, that has such little um, playoff experience, (laughs) like, overall – would not win these close games in the playoffs and that the Abs would being the defending champions, but you would be wrong. Multiple one goal games, including game seven last night, Seattle, one, two, one. It's just, it's weird. It, it looks like a veteran team with a, a goalie who uh, played extremely well. That's the opposite of what I would have expected. So now I don't know what to expect from Seattle, but.
1: Who knows, man? Yeah. yeah. Grubauer held it down for them. It was, it was really impressive to see that he just kind of snapped back into it. Because again, like you said, he had a uninspiring year. I mean, obviously it was good enough to get them into the playoffs, but and, and it was a bounce back from last year. Like let's be clear here. Last year was an absolute nightmare season for Philip Grubauer. But even thinking about Seattle earlier this year, I mean, there was a stretch run there where Martin Jones was like killing it for them. Yeah. But either way, though, you get into this series. <laughs> yeah. You get into this series, though. And I think for Colorado's sake, I mean, this is not drastic, but it is a different team from what we saw last year with the one that won the cup. They were incredibly deep. Their secondary scoring was off the charts. Good. And you just really didn't have that to the same degree this year. You, you know, you still had your blue line that was, you know, generally speaking, kept intact with a a really, really strong top four, but this is also a team that was missing Gabriel Landeskog. And, that makes a big difference for them for the flexibility that it gives them throughout the rest of their lineup. I think Colorado is going to be fine. I mean, Sackic is one of the best GMs in the NHL. And I think that if there's one thing that we've seen from him is that he knows how to go out and find cost-effective options that end up making an impact for this team and being able to have these kind of like reclamation projects that end up playing pretty pretty strong roles for this Colorado team. However, what I'm interested in again, like Sackic is a very capable GM and is good with these savvy moves. But after a first round exit, this Colorado make a big swing to improve their forward group this summer. I think that they do. I think that they are, we'll see what happens. Cause I know that they obviously have some cap issues that they're going to have to work around a little bit, but You already, your defense is set. Like their defense is intact. Like they are good on that moving forward. I just wonder, could we see Colorado make a massive move? Because I think one of the things that was so pivotal for them last year was Nazim Kadri and how great he was. I mean, you had him having a career year, playing at over a point per game pace for them on that second line, and it made the difference, but they really didn't have anybody. Evan Rodriguez, I think, filled in admirably for them throughout this year uh in terms of again like providing like secondary scoring but Evan Rodriguez is not Nazim Kadri and i think that having that one two punch down the middle was something that really kept them back this year i mean colorado was we all we had a feeling that they were going to make the playoffs we knew that they would but it was a question for a little bit because of how they were playing and of course there were a lot of injuries that they had to deal with and endured but yeah, I, I'm looking at Colorado this offseason as a very interesting case because I would not be surprised at all if they go out and make like a home run move to bring in somebody to be the 2C for them or a dynamic scoring winger that they can put on the second line there.
0: Yeah, I agree. It definitely hurt them that they didn't have Landis Gogg. That's their captain among, you know, one of the better forwards. Uh, also, Nachushkin. Yeah. The second of the series. And I This is kind of an aside, but I think that's the way that was talked about, the Nachushkin thing, which we still don't know all the details of it. We just know that a young woman was in his hotel room and needed to be taken to the hospital Yeah. medical. I don't know how much information there is about that. And then he immediately left. But before that, it was just he's leaving for personal reasons, just that he's out for a little while for personal reasons. Uh, And then I think there was a lot of scolding on hockey Twitter about, like, don't even – don't think about it. Don't worry about it don't uh theorize about what he could possibly be don't speculate and or in you know in the media's case don't report on it and i i, I think it's a it, these kind of things can to be a touchy thing to report on because you don't you want to make sure you have everything uh going in that you know correct yeah um. but you yes you absolutely report on it i guess in some ways i'm like a a uh public knowledge absolutist not, not quite but like I think that a lot of professional athletes are public figures, and you don't have to know everything all the time about them. But situations like this, you should get a reason. So if someone says this a very you know, good, talented forward for a potential cup contender is leaving in the middle of the playoffs, suddenly it's not even announced before the game. It's announced after a game. Um, oh, he's just out for a little while. It's not an injury. It's not an illness. And here's the thing. This is what immediately was a red flag to me. If it was, they said family reasons, easy just like else oh, so there's probably death in the family or something like that right if they said he was going to the player assistance program well, fine don't yeah. need the details I, right yeah but they didn't say either of those things so i don't i just some of these people on, on twitter like use your heads like this is suspicious this is this is not something like oh okay and this is why this is why you can't just take a team's word at face value like oh it's it's personal reasons don't worry about it because they lied it's not personal reasons this is very clearly something. We don't yep. know what it is yet. And I wouldn't speculate on that, but it's something. So hopefully there's more information on what that is. It's, it's just, I don't understand that at all. It's, it's, pretty ridiculous to me. And I think it, it kind of harkens back to a lot of people saying like, Oh, don't worry about what's going on with Ken Pagula. And it's like, I don't need every detail, but we do need to know at some point, like yeah, what, what is, what's worse. going on here. Uh, but so that, that kind of annoyed me, but from a hockey perspective, uh, that's a that's another big loss. Like you mentioned their death from last year. Like they didn't they don't have him now. He had a great playoffs last year. They don't have Burkovsky. They don't have Landeskog. Like there's a lot of guys from last year that they just don't have anymore. The legendary helm. <laughs> um, so that it's it is a different team, like you mentioned. Their forward death wasn't there, but still very interesting series, I think. And they could have repeated. I think they were still good enough to repeat, but it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, so that brings us to the most interesting series. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> Paul Maurice's revenge I've always been a huge Paul Maurice guy
1: he's been he was an avid listener of the podcast this year, and he needed to get back at us, yeah, you and I absolutely clowning the Florida Panthers organization <laughs> the entirety of the year, pretty much since the day that that contract was signed, you and I just ruthlessly were making fun of the Florida Panthers for doing that and questioning the move and boy, oh boy, wouldn't, you know, seems like it worked out. Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, Hey, maybe if they hired a real coach, they would have been like the two seed and yeah. they wouldn't have had to worry about this. True, uh, But yeah, it's interesting because some of the conversations today are about, is this the biggest upset in NHL playoff history? And I don't know about that. Uh, I actually don't think it's a bigger upset than Columbus. Lightning, especially because that was a sweep. I think that's still more of a surprise to me. But I will say, <sighs> Florida getting this defense that they were the president's trophy winners last year. Yeah, last year they were. Not this year. This year they were the team that needed a 31 year old Alex Lyon to turn into Dominic Kashyyyk for a week for them to even make the playoffs. They're a team that was a really, really close, close offside review away from missing the playoffs in favor of the Sabres making it so this is not that good of a team uh and their goaltending has been a, a kind of a mess all year and they didn't win by quote-unquote goalieing the the bruins which i think is interesting it, it the bruins also like it was so hard coming into the playoffs i think about how they could lose to the panthers because just it seemed like the bruins were good at everything and apparently not so i, I there's been a few surprising things but i mean Oh, you you mentioned earlier that you don't trust Bobrovsky. I don't trust him either. And I, I I don't know how much you would trust Alex Lyon, who started three games for them. He's at a 902. Bobrovsky was an 891, but they won the Bobrovsky games for whatever reason. But looking at the, the Linus Allmark was an 896 behind that defense. Jeremy Swayman he played fine ish yesterday, I guess. But like. What is going on? That was the yeah. number one and number four goalies and save percentage on the regular season. What is happening? They, they, the, the Boston's defense get way worse. Did Florida decide they wanted to be twenty twenty two Florida again?
1: I do not. I, I don't have an answer for this, Taylor. I am floored by the fact that Florida was able to pull this off. I mean, it was. It, it was remarkable. And again, like you, the entertainment value in this series was, was great. Like you, it is rightfully here for a reason. I had a feeling that this was obviously going to be number one because the uh, obvious, you know, the headlines that go along with it for one, but I mean the, the quality of the hockey itself too, man, like, holy shit, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, that's why, like, I, I don't trust Bobrovsky, but is how is Flor how is Toronto going to handle florida and the physicality that they play with i i, I mean we'll see like i but because then of course you can also ask like how is florida going to be able to handle you know toronto's offensive firepower and everything like that but oh boy i like it i am honestly stunned by this series i thought that this was going to be boston in five maybe six i, I... Uh, going into a series where alex Lyon is your starting goalie and you end up beating the best regular season team in the history of the nhl are you kidding me
0: <laughs> what really insane i mean there was some i was kind of i guess i'm kind of homerish on this too since we hate the bruins um so yeah yeah i wanted to push back against some of the best team ever talk but it was hard to do because they they broke the wins record they broke the goals record or not the goals record, so they broke the wins record and the points record. Um, what I wanted to do when that I guess when I was trying to think about how to push back, I mean, if they'd gone like 16 and two in the playoffs and won the cup, it would have been impossible. But my thought was with some of those Canadians teams that there was no overtime, period. It was tied at the end of regulation, you tied. They won 60 games under those conditions. And that was also in, I want to say an 80-game season back then. So there, I believe there's a Canadian scene that won 60, 60, 12, and eight. So I still think those teams are the best. And then you do the easy thing of saying like, oh, the original six era, uh, it was basically just Canadian players. There was no Europeans or Americans, blah, 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 all that stuff. So I guess you got to judge teams by their time, but this Bruins team. So I, that's one of the things. The other thing I was looking at is like, yeah, look, if they had uh Tuka Rask still like prime Tuka Rask here, or prime Tim Thomas, and they had this level of state percentage, I'd say you had a great goalie. In addition to having this great team, great defense, they could score all the things you are good at, but the fact that it was Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman, who are both good, it make me think they were a little bit lucky, a uh, little bit. Like maybe this was a little bit of unsustainable state percentage, and maybe it's not all that representative of who these goalies are. Swayman's still young enough that we don't know. I think uh, clear to me, Olmark is not a top level goalie on the level with the guys we mentioned earlier, like mm-hmm. Ottinger, Saros, Sorokin, Shisterkin, uh, Devin Levi. He's not one of those guys, uh, and I I think. That's pretty clear now. I don't know what they do with that, but they, they were still good enough to win the cup despite that. Like they won those sixty-five games, and not despite that, but like they won because he was playing a little bit above, a little bit above what he would normally be doing. Uh, so, still though, I think even if you if you knocked both those guys down by a bunch of safe percentage points, this might have still been the best team in the NHL. If you had them at like I don't yeah. know, if if Almark was instead like a nine twenty-eight and Swayman was like a nine. 10 this would probably still be the best team in the nhl like they're so deep they had good players in every line they they have a bunch of guys they have the thing that's so underrated in hockey which is guys who are not all-stars not great like but they're just really really good players like players the quote-unquote analytics love but like guys who are just like really um like rock solid players and just have a lot of those guys a lot of rock yeah. solid, on un, unspectacular guys uh but they also you know they really loaded up at the deadline and they also are going to be without uh, quite a few picks in the in the coming years now because of the trades like Tyler Bertuzzi. That was a big trade. Uh, I'm forgetting the other one. Was Orlov. It? Oh yes. Oh yeah. Orlov. So they made a couple of trades like that. They they don't have a ton of picks going forward. It seems like Bergeron might retire. So we'll see what happens next year if Bergeron and Crazy are both gone and Swayman is an RFA. Hmm.
1: Questions, questions, questions. Are you going to invest a lot of money in both of your goalies like that with how much they have in Allmark? Is Allmark a candidate to get moved? He might be. Oh, I want to say. Good, he's
0: going to be a good NHL starter. So, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I just want to add. I'd on welcome it. him here, by the way, if that's not clear. Like, What's that? I would, I would still welcome him here. Yeah, um, I think 100%. I would too, 100%. Yeah, I'm just saying he's not, he's not the guy he seemed like in a regular season
1: right right well i also want to give a shout out to for florida i think that we could say they won this series because of having matthew kachuk but also brandon montour man
0: five goals as a defenseman
1: eight points in seven games come on you will the defenseman score five goals on you guys he's logging 24 minutes a night almost 25 minutes a night Twenty-four forty-three is his average time on ice wow ralph krueger go fuck yourself yeah oh my god that's <laughs> what, what I, I i'm so mad about this when they made the trade for him and got him from anaheim you were doing that based on what his potential was which is this it is no secret that ralph krueger was just a master of not knowing how to properly utilize guys. We we know this all too well, unfortunately. I think we made this point like a month ago or a month or two ago. Imagine Brandon Montour in this Sabres top four. Imagine him playing with Owen Power. It, it kills me to know that we just wasted this, that we could have him right now. Like It is just so indescribably bad because also... With Montour, it was not even like a case of like an Eichel or a Ristolainen or even to a lesser extent, Reinhardt, where it's like, all right, this is a piece of the core. It's not been working. We're rebuilding. We need to just like move on from this. Montour did not fall into that for me. And granted, at the time, it was just things were going so poi that you were just kind of like, everybody was like shrugging, being like, what the hell are we going to do? Like, this is just, it, it just wasn't working. But oh my God, it bothers me so much. That the guy that they had traded for, whatever it was now, what, four years ago, right? Five Uh, five years ago?
0: Yeah, almost five. Five, Yeah, five uh, years ago. yeah. Yeah.
1: That guy has arrived and is here and has completely stepped up for them and In a way, it's kind of funny that it felt like Mackenzie Weger previously was this unsung hero of the the Florida defense, you know, because obviously it's headlined by Aaron Eckblad. And then he leaves and it's like, wow, man, there's a lot of holes on that defense now. And Montour has just completely stepped up and has been a, a revelation for them. Full stop. So very glad for him. Very mad at the Sabres about that. But I digress. Anyways, I think that this leads into an interesting discussion that one of our listeners, Garrett Shea, our pal, he had reached out with, with an interesting point. And I think it, he made the point with regard to the Kraken, but I think it applies to Florida, too. He had said, does the Kraken series win open the door for the Sabres to just make a run next year? And, and I, I think the sentiment here is we all know going in to next season that playoffs are absolutely unequivocally the expectation next year you need to be a playoff team with Seattle upsetting Colorado with Florida upsetting Boston like this we have seen that the playoffs can be very very unpredictable and what may seem like a surefire thing is anything but so in that sense seeing these wins I guess to kind of reframe his question for you Taylor a little bit Seeing Florida win and seeing Seattle win like this, does that to you make you want the Sabres to lean all the more into kind of going all out this offseason and trying to make a couple of significant upgrades to the roster to put them over the top because of the fact that you just don't know what's going to happen once you get into the playoffs. But the key is getting there.
0: So. Yeah, I mean, that's always a possibility, I think. Looking at the postseason, I think of it two different ways. First of all, like the Seattle way this year. Just a couple things can go right. Or even Florida. You have a good series at the right time. Things go well. You can win. Your goaltending gets out, whatever. You can win a series. I think you can win two series. We, we've seen, for the most part, that these teams like just get hot or whatever. They don't really win the cup ever. Still good. like You generally great teams win the cup. But a lot of times, these teams do get to the cup. It happens. So, yeah, you, you can see that happen. Another perspective is the Sabres aren't just a team that's trying to be a playoff contender. They're trying to be a cup contender. Like our good pal, Mark Messier said, six-time cup winner. He knows a thing or two about a thing or two. And he kind of mentioned it as the Sabres could be like a cup contender going forward, like they have the right pieces. And sometimes when you see that, it happens quicker than you think. So the one example we would go back to from our lifetimes is the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks went from missing the playoffs, not even really close, to going to the conference final, to winning the cup. That was three years. The Penguins. Crosby's rookie year, they miss the playoffs. His second year, when Malkin comes there, they make the playoffs and lose in the first round. Third year, they lose the Stanley Cup. Then fourth year, they win the Stanley Cup. And this, this can kind of happen quick. Uh, It's just... It, it really depends about how... A, a couple things. Like, what kind of move they make on defense? What kind of other, you know, backup slash 1B or 1A goalie they have next year to play with Levi? And how you how the other guys develop It's Paterka, Cousins, Quinn, but also Coolidge, maybe, and maybe even Savoy, and does power get a lot better? Those things could all happen. That's the thing. They have a lot of, you know, balls in the air, and most of the potential outcomes are good. Like, the worst-case scenario, basically, is they're just as good as they are now. So I I almost feel like they have to be a playoff team in the next couple of years because of that. But, yeah, the best-case scenario is they're one of those teams that's better, quicker than you think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's another good example, Tampa. Tampa, got, Tampa was about as good as this year's Sabres in 2014. They got swept in the first round. Might have been a little bit better regular season-wise, but they got swept in the first round, and then the next year they were in the Cup.
1: So that's the realistic projection then? The Sabres are going to make the playoffs and then when the, be in the Cup the following year? Is that what you're saying here, 24-25? Let's do it. I love it. Send no, it. I'm
0: just I am just saying it's a possibility. So, yeah, this is definitely something. There's no reason you have to go into this year, next year being like, we're going to lose in the first round. No, Let's I could not be like that.
1: All right. Would you have any last thoughts you'd like to share, Taylor? Uh the Bills signed Latavius Murray. They did. Who you got tonight? Devils Rangers. Devils. Damn right. I'm going with the Devils, too. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. And before you do that, make sure you leave us a nice little follow or a subscription. Leave us a rating. We would very, very much appreciate it. And follow them on social media. You can find both the Charging Buffalo and the Hockey Podcast Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Where you can also find us, straight up sabers. Last but not least, our wonderful sponsors. We're back to the three of them now, folks, just as the way it should be. We have DraftKings. Make sure you're using that promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals raycon ray j we missed you my friend great to have you back but for all of your audio needs make sure you are checking out raycon and on their website and last but not least make sure you are going to thin man brewery and picking up your four pack of american lemieux and we will see you may 22nd for our next trivia night with that being said everybody we'll be back with a brand new episode on thursday thanks for tuning in this has been straight up sabers